Welcome back to the Parallel Lines Project, the podcast where I separate fact from fiction and uh, hopefully tell you an interesting story. Emphasis on the latter. I'm your host, Mark Muldowan, and this is episode number three, Money Tree. On this week's podcast, I want to have a bit of a warning at the top here. Uh, the topic is going to be a little less lighthearted than the last two, and I'm sure I'm going to get some angry emails about this. It's money trees. We all want one. Fast cash, easy income, a good way to make money for yourself. No one wants to work a dead end nine to five for a boss they hate, but is there really an easy way to make money? There's a few companies out here who seem to think so, and they want to share their secrets with you. Just be careful. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Then for a recipe, I, I know I've said this every week, but this, again, personal favorite of mine, slow cooker butter chicken. Yeah, you're going to need a slow cooker for this one. Really, there's no comparison. Uh, this one is pure awesomeness. I usually make huge batches of this, freeze it in portions, and use it as a quick, delicious dinner for lazy weekdays. It's really simple too, really flavorful, and is great for when you need to feed a crowd. Uh, just ask my girlfriend, she loves it when I cook this stuff. But first, corrections, omissions, and generally shooting the shit. So hopefully third time's the charm. I'm aware that another rough cut was uploaded in the last episode, and uh, I really apologize, and I'm just hoping the ghost of Harold Ramis won't take revenge on me. If I wake up and my phone still says November 23rd tomorrow, I know I'm in trouble. If I wake up and my sheets are coated in a green goo, I probably should go see a doctor, but I'll also apologize to Harold. I also wanted to point out a few other cities that had some pretty cool underground city tours. I don't know why I didn't think of this, but both Portland and San Francisco have some pretty extensive underground cities as well that can be checked out on a legal um, footing. Again, I've never been on these tours, so it's not really an endorsement so much as a general awareness announcement. I also want to point out what one listener had uh, pointed out to me. Uh, the Canada Post Tunnel was actually from Waterfront to the old Canada Post headquarters that no longer exists. Uh, not the current location downtown that we all know and love, I guess. Uh, as well, the tunnel was not built for the war in particular, uh, though it was used extensively during this time. Uh, it was built as a, a quick and easy way for mail to be transferred from waterfront while avoiding the downtown traffic. Shit, traffic downtown must have been a nightmare even back then. I also had a couple of questions uh, into me about uh, the direction that the show was going. Uh, I thought I had made this clear, but I'd, let me let me let me just break it down. Uh, these aren't all going to be stories about Vancouver. Uh, the first rule of writing is write what you know, and this podcast is no exception. Uh, trust me, I'm not only going to do Vancouver stories, uh, but it's inevitable from time to time that they're going to show up just due to my geography. That and I fucking love this city. 
Uh, I think a lot of people are in the dark here when it comes to some of the local culture and history. And I'm including old stock Vancouverites in this too. And uh, by old stock Vancouverites, I don't mean the uh, code word racist old stock uh, a la Stephen Harper here. Um, I mean people who have uh, been in the city for um, at least one generation or more. Uh, we do have a lot of transplants here as well as immigrants. Um, I mean, there's a reason our city is used by Hollywood as a generic backdrop for multiple locations. We actually believe we have no history or personality here, and it kind of sucks. Uh, some really cool shit has happened here over the years, and I really do like sharing it with people. All right, and rad. Now on with the show. money trees. So I may not have been completely truthful with you. I don't actually technically live in Vancouver proper. I know, I know, I'm sorry. I live in the GVRD or the Greater Vancouver Regional District. That's a total mouthful. I think that's probably the fifth take of that. Fuck. Basically, I'm a suburbanite. I live in a place called Richmond to be exact. If you've ever been to Vancouver, you've probably been there. It's where the airport is. I'm actually just a hop, skip, and a jump away. I can see planes taking off and landing from where I live. Uh, well, in my not-so-little suburb, just around the corner from my house, there's a small commercial block littered with warehouses, office buildings, and a really terrible greasy spoon that I have shamed my body at one too many times. Um, Shout out to the Golden Coin, your restaurant may be filthy, your menu questionable, and your patrons really surly, but you make a mean wonton soup. They also have a burger there named the Royale with cheese, and it's awesome. Every time I order it, uh, all I can think of is they have no idea what the fuck a quarter pounder is. Anyways, uh, in this business block is the Western headquarters for a company by the name of Newskin. That's N-U-S-K-I-N. Uh, has nothing to do with foreskins. Um, but I'll get into that a little bit later. I actually used to work in the same block and I drove past the company uh, to park in my parking lot almost every day. Uh, it was a huge building too. This isn't some small one or two office building. It's a two-story complex complete with warehouse space. Now, I was curious as to what they actually did, so naturally I looked them up. I don't think I was prepared for what I was about to find. And it's not what you think, it was a bunch of people arguing. You can look up some of these arguments yourself just by plugging in, is new skin a scam, uh, into your search engine of choice. Are you happy, Bing users? At first glance, you see proof of the saying, opinions are like assholes, everyone's got one. However, in just a little deeper dive, there's something that's just not sitting right with Newskin. You see, Newskin is a multi-level marketing company, or M MLM for short. The basic idea is simple. You sign up with a company for a small fee and become a certified distributor. Then, buy a product at wholesale from a parent company and sell it directly to your friends and family or pound the pavement. You get to keep the difference between the wholesale and retail cost to the items. 
you get to work from home, be your own boss, and make fat stacks of cash while selling product that will miraculously prevent you from aging. And I'm not being facetious either. Uh, check out the company's tagline. Our difference is demonstrated through opportunity at New Skin. Professional distributor leaders thrive as they inspire and empower others. Distributors' lives are better today because they join New Skin. We are committed to providing the best opportunity to make your dreams reality. Of course, that is in all caps. You also see a lot of stories in comment sections of videos and on blogs about people making six-figure incomes. You hear a lot of repeated words, financial independence, six-figure income, positive thinking, and so forth. People swear up and down that they're making tons of money, or at least know somebody who is. And if you read some of these reviews, Newskin is the perfect place for positive thinkers to make bank. Newskin, by most accounts, though, is a scam. No question about it. I'm not even going to pretend that there's an equal side to each side of this story here. This is how much I hate MLM. It really is a toxic environment. But I'm getting ahead of myself again. First, let's look at the facts. Being a publicly traded company, Newskin does have to file reports regarding its business to the US government. It can be difficult to read through their reports, and at first glance, you see some pretty impressive numbers. When looking at their footnotes, which actually read like a report within a report considering how big they are, but 95% of their distributor commissions are intentionally left out of the body of the report. Wading through the numbers further, the average commission for a new skin distributor is 600 US dollars per year. This is in 2012. Only 451 people in all of the United States made over $15,000 in commission. That's 0.2% of all distributors. So basically, if you join up, you have a 99.8% chance of not making any money at all. This is as well is just the commission each rep earned. It doesn't take into account the cost of promotional materials or the cost of the items that you didn't sell. This really doesn't even paint a total picture of the problem. Newskin refuses to report their specific turnover numbers, though they admit that it is high. Now, this is really problematic. If people are actually making money doing this, you would think that they would actually continue on with the company selling their products and making said money as well. According to Barron's Magazine, in order for all of their reported profits and payouts to make any sense at all, at least 65% of their product must be sold to people completely unaffiliated with the company. That means not distributors selling to other distributors. These numbers as well are not actually reported. They, they don't add them into any of these government reports. The company claims their sales are well within this estimate, but actually have no evidence to back this up. Besides, think how easy it would be to hide or skew this data. Think how many people, you know, buy into the products with the intention to sell them, but uh, never officially register as distributors. Um, think about how many people will, will take a load off to help sell um, under the table or, or something like that. Um, and it's not like the company discourages this. Newskin's biggest response to these accusations is that the proof is in the pudding. They are a publicly traded company and have been routinely voted into Forbes' most trusted companies list, if that means anything. 
They are also still operating after nearly 30 years in business. If they were just another pyramid scheme, how would this be possible? Well, the answer is simple. They straddle a legal gray area, and being a publicly traded company means nothing when it comes to integrity. Look up Tyco. They've also been successfully prosecuted in the past. In the 90s, multiple U.S. states had successfully settled with Nuskin over claims regarding the potential income of their distributors. And because of this, the FTC has also legally forced them to pay damages and rescind claims regarding potential for their distributors to turn a profit. Basically meaning they're not allowed to say that their distributors can make lots of money directly. Now, let's look at the mission statement again. Our differences demonstrated through our opportunity at Nuskin. Professional distributors, leaders thrive as they inspire and empower others. Distributors' lives are better off today because they join Nuskin. We are committed to providing the best opportunity to make our dreams reality. Notice how in this official communication, not once do they mention anything about financial independence or making money. They use code words, weasel words, like making your dreams a reality and providing a best opportunity. But if you ever do get dragged into one of their info sessions, the potential for self-employment and financial independence is a huge talking point. I don't know about you, but I don't think 600 bucks a year is enough to live on. The company has also plunged its hooks into the U.S. government. In 2011, journalists linked the two CEOs to millions of dollars donated to super PACs, and a company spokesman was elected to the U.S. Senate in 2008. The problem with Nuskin and the MLM business model in general is that it's literally impossible to survive on. The model is totally skewed towards those who can recruit more people and sell product. It's impossible for a single person to earn enough direct-to-consumer sales to make any sort of real money. However, the story they tell is totally inspiring. It's the American dream. Get the money you deserve for your hard work. Build your own business. To butcher Steinbeck, Americans are not poor. They're temporarily embarrassed millionaires. The product they peddle is absolute, well, absolute snake oil. <laughs> I won't get into the exploitation of scientific literacy and the idea that a cream or a vitamin supplement can be used for gene therapy. However, I will point out that in 2011, a consumer advocacy group analyzed a supplement peddled by Nuskin and found that it even failed to live up to the content requirements. They didn't even have enough of the ingredient that they said they did in their products. It was an automatic fail. MLM is inherently cult-like. It's exploitative and it's financially ruinous to nearly every single person involved. Now, if you've never known anyone who's in an MLM, uh, this could be anything from Amway to Herbalife. Uh, they dogmatically defend it and they do so until they either A, run out of money and quit, or B, become financially ruined and quit. Um, or C, they continue to waste their own money in doing it um, until it kind of fizzles out because all of their friends and family members stop humoring them. However, the tables do seem to be turning. In December of 2012, a couple of New York hedge fund managers actually did something useful for once. They began to question a publicly traded MLM, Herbalife, regarding its business practices. The answers were embarrassing causing Herbalife to nearly drop 30% in value on the New York Stock Exchange. This created a ripple effect that affected all other MLMs that were publicly traded, including Nuskin. If you want proof of this, on their website, Nuskin proudly reports that it made a profit of over $3 billion in 2013. 
You see, they used 2013 because they've been on a pretty steady decline since. In 2014, they made just over $2.5 billion, and their stock has been dropping ever since. Last year as well, the government of China began an investigation into Nuskin as part of a crackdown on pyramid schemes. You see, Nuskin recently opened up in Asia, and uh, their products have been selling quite well there. Well, the idea of an MLM seems to be selling quite well there in general. In the end, if money was as easy to make as many of these companies claim it is, everyone would be a millionaire. I guess Steinbeck was right. Well, that was depressing. Uh, money just doesn't grow on trees. And because of that, we need to save where we can. The recipe this week is great for that, actually. This completely delicious and authentic butter chicken recipe is super inexpensive to make. It's also really easy to prepare and just plain tasty. Now, before we start, uh, a few things about Indian cooking. Masalas are basically spice mixes. So if you go to the store and you see, for example, um, tandoori barbecue spices, that is a tandoori masala. Uh, you can buy that and use that. In fact, that's actually what I use in my recipe. It doesn't say masala on the packaging. Uh, or you could actually create your own masalas at home because they are basically spice mixes. If you're having a hard time trying to find some of these items, just go to an Indian grocer. They should have everything you need. In Canada, we're actually quite lucky. Uh, places in BC like uh, um, Price Smart or Save On usually have a, a small Indian food section that has everything you need. Um, if you live uh, on the East Coast or, or outside of BC, um, a lot of the Loblaws chains have uh, this kind of stuff in them in the uh, ethnic food sections. Uh, and I know specifically Superstore does have this stuff, but uh, I cannot stand Superstore and I wouldn't recommend anyone going there because that place is a fucking nightmare. So first up, the ingredients. You need one pound of boneless chicken thighs cut into bite-sized pieces one onion diced, three cloves of garlic minced, two tablespoons of butter, two tablespoons of oil. I usually use olive oil because I like the taste of it, but you can use any sort of vegetable oil for this. 15 green cardamom pods, and I will uh, go over what you do those uh, do to those in a minute. Two teaspoons of curry powder, one tablespoon of curry paste, one teaspoon of cayenne powder. Now this is optional. It makes it a little bit spicier. Two teaspoons of tandoori masala. What I mentioned previously might be labeled as tandoori barbecue spice. Uh, one teaspoon garam masala. One 400 milliliter can of coconut milk. That's the normal small size can. Uh, one cup plain yogurt. 5.5 uh, fluid ounces of tomato paste. That's the little tiny... Uh, tomato paste cans, and uh, a bit of salt to taste. First, using a needle and thread, thread the cardamom together into kind of a, a rope. 
uh, place them at the bottom of the slow cooker and uh, have the thread coming out the top. I usually leave the needle on it just to add a little bit of weight to it so I don't uh, lose the thread in the dish. Uh, this will make it way easier to remove them at the end and you'll want to. They're like bay leaves. You don't want to leave them in there because you can't eat them. Now heat a frying pan to a medium high heat and toast the dry spices in the pan and set them aside. It's really important to toast the spices. It really makes them pop. Heat the oil and butter. Cook the onion and garlic till translucent and fragrant. This shouldn't take long, maybe a minute or two at the most. Add the chicken and brown the chicken. Add the entire contents of the pan, drippings and all, to the slow cooker. Then add all the other ingredients. Stir until well mixed. It's going to look kind of pale at this point. Don't worry about it. You're good to go. And set the slow cooker for about six to eight hours. Uh, you No less than six. Usually you don't want to go more than eight because uh, the stuff can overcook. Uh, it might just get a little bit darker. It might get a little too not spicy, but the, the spice flavors might get a little too overwhelming. Um, as well, the chicken may dry out if you use it for that long. Uh, you serve it with naan and basmati rice. Try to use basmati rice, just the flavors go better together. And you can garnish it with a bit of chopped coriander. Oh, and if you want it mild, don't add the cayenne, like I said earlier, but also use uh, mild masalas. They'll be labeled as such. Oh, mm, butter chicken. Well, that's it for episode three of the Parallel Lines Project. I hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it, please leave your comments and rate it on iTunes. And please use iTunes. I'm not a shill for Apple. I actually use Android myself, but uh, it's great to get visibility up. Uh, there really isn't a, a standard repository for Android yet. And until that happens, I'm kind of stuck to the Apple teeth. And I'd really appreciate it if you go and subscribe there. You can also see a transcript of the show and uh, any notes at markholdown.com slash podcast. All the music on this podcast is used under the Creative Commons license and was found on the Free Music Archive. Our theme song, of course, is Against the Wall by Boxcat Games. And other music included in this podcast is credited to their respective artists at the show notes. Have a great weekend, everyone, and keep it weird. Mm-hmm.